Bibles, go with me to Proverbs chapter 24. We're going to look at verses 3 to 4, and I'm going to, I'm going to do my, my best to just kind of drive through this message this morning, because uh, I have a lot of stuff I, I have to get through. Um, this weekend, if you are a guest with us, um, it's a little bit different of a weekend. This is what we call our Vision Sunday. These next two Sundays are really important to us. Vision Sunday this morning, and the next weekend as we celebrate four years as a church, our anniversary being next weekend as a church, which I am so excited about. And uh, we've got the pleasure of having Pastor Terry and Judith from Hillsong Phoenix um, in the house with us next weekend. And so it's going to be a dynamic time. So I want to encourage you, make sure that you come back next weekend as well. But this is just a, and maybe that's why I'm a little bit emotional, because as I sit back over these, these two weeks, this morning and, and, and next week, um, I, I kind of go inward and I reflect a lot on what God has done and more importantly, what he is doing and getting ready to do. And uh, it causes a lot of emotion in me. Um, I would be lying to say that there's not a little bit of trepidation and anxiousness in me. Um, I'm but a human being. But at the same time, there's a massive amount of excitement in me um, as I want to clearly communicate where we are going as, the ch as a church, the well, over this next year in 2017 and the years to come. And so this is our Vision Sunday, Vision Message. So to all of our guests this morning, um, I know this could be a different type of message for you to step into. So I want to just encourage you to open your, open your heart and, uh, and, and kind of open your mind a little bit and understand that this is kind of a family message. But I also hope at the same time that as you hear this message this morning, that you would sit back and go, man, I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of that house. And so um, that's what we're going to be dealing with this morning. Proverbs chapter 24, verses 3 to 4 says this, By wisdom a house is built. By understanding it is established. By knowledge the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. How many of you think that sounds like a pretty good house? Pretty good house right there. This morning I want to speak to you from the subject, I see a house. As we look at our vision and where God is taking us as a church in 2017 and beyond. I don't know if you're like me, but I love watching houses being built. Anybody a fan of watching houses being built? Maybe, maybe even just buildings being built. I know some of you are actually in that field in here. And, and I love it. I remember when we first uh, purchased our first home. It was actually a townhome uh, in, in the Phoenix area. And it was built from the ground up. We got to go in and pick out our cabinets and do all that stuff. But there's something fascinating, and probably because it's, I don't know how to do it. To me, I love watching houses being built. I remember when I was a kid in our neighborhood, we moved into the neighborhood I lived in as a kid when there was only like four or five houses, and so we got to watch the neighbor's house um, be built. I remember going over there and, and creepily telling them, like, I watched your house be built, right? I know where you sleep, which they were weirded out by that neighbor kid, right? And so I, I'm fascinated by it. I love watching houses being built. You see, as kids, and even now, watching a home be built is a guessing game. Yet there are a few people involved in the building process that it's not a guessing game for them. It's the owners of that house. They, even more than the builders, can see exactly what the home is going to be, all the way down to the smallest detail. For them, they can see what the color on the wall will be, what the paint color will be, where the furniture will go. For them, they know where the kids are going to sleep and, and play, where the memories of birthdays and of family get-togethers, Thanksgiving and Christmas will take place. See, vision affords us the ability to see what others can't see, won't see, or don't want to see. 
And that's what I love. As much as I can drive past a house that's being built, I can look at that home and I can get a vague understanding of what that house is going to be. I can look at it and I can picture it and say, okay, this may go here. We were going out to dinner the other day and we drove down this road where there was a few homes being built. And as we're driving by, I'm imagining what this house could be. House is much larger than I will ever be able to afford. And so then I found myself picturing my house in that person's house. (laughs) Because it could fit 40 times over. But as much as I can imagine or picture it or think about it, there is somebody who knows exactly what that house is going to look like, exactly what that house is going to be. And it's that person who is going to move into that home. It's the owner of that home. And I think for us as a church, we've got to understand something. That it's no different. You see, we are all a part of the church that is comprised of believers all over this planet. The bride of Christ, his church. However, the church is also comprised of local and specific houses, local churches that vary in expression and style and leadership. We, all of us, have been called not to just be a part of one, but to engage in the building process of that house. And that's why we've got signs on the front of our doors that say, welcome home. Because we're not trying to build a museum for saints. We're trying to build a house of relationship. And so we say welcome home. And around here, we've got a big vision, a big, scary, hairy vision. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. That's what I want to, I want to dig into this morning. I want to look at what vision is and what it does as we look at what God is calling us to in 2017 and beyond. And I want to, I want to invite you, if you get excited about this, come on, don't, don't hesitate to clap, all right? Don't hesitate to say amen, preach it, I'm pumped, whatever you need. If you need to stand up and say, come on, pastor, do what you need to do. But what I'm, what I'm going to deal with this morning is exciting and scary and fun, and all of the above. And that may just be my emotions. (laughs) This is the first thing I want you to write down this morning if you're taking notes. And I'm just going to, I'm going to forewarn you. I've got eight of these things this morning (laughs) with sub points. So um, I'm going to do my best to, to work through this. First thing I need you to write down this morning is this. Vision is built by faith. Vision is built by faith. Matthew chapter 17, 14 through 20 says this. And when they came to the crowd, a man came up behind him, kneeling before him and said, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he has seizures and he suffers terribly. For often he falls into the fire and often into the water. And what that means right there is this this young person would throw themselves in fire and they would throw themselves in water trying to drown themselves. And I brought him to your disciples and they could not heal him. What an indictment upon Jesus' disciples. Pretty much he's saying, Jesus, your crew is no good. They couldn't heal him. And Jesus answered, oh, faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him here to me. Jesus is like, I'm going to get this done. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the boy was healed instantly. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately because they didn't want to be embarrassed and said, why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, because of your little faith, for truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. 
See, the well has been built off of the desire to see people far from God. This is our mission statement around here. To see people far from God, encouraged, equipped, empowered, and released as fully devoted followers of Jesus. Since day one, this mission statement has been the driving force behind this church. Every service, every outreach, every event, every dollar spent, every building occupied, this statement has been the leading edge. And our desire to be a church that points people to Jesus is not just a thing that we do, it is a passion that consumes us and causes us to do everything we can to reach just one more person, resulting, and I want you to hear this, this year, 124 people saying yes publicly to Jesus in one of our services. That's awesome! And I sat back when I read that, when I, when I kind of like computed all that, and I sat back at my desk these past couple weeks and I just wept. Thank you, God. We have a home that people can come and know Jesus in. 124 souls that have a story, that have a purpose, that have a reason and a rhyme. This isn't something that we just do week in and week out. This is something that consumes us. And this is something that takes and requires faith and will continue to require faith. Great faith. Write this down if you're taking notes this morning. Listen, great faith is grain-sized. Great faith is grain-sized. And vision is built by that faith. It takes faith to see what others can't see or don't see. It takes faith to take steps that seem ridiculous and outlandish. It takes faith to partner with God to do the unimaginable and improbable. Imagine a church full of grain-sized faith. I got some mustard seed this morning. So I wanted you to see this. One mustard seed. Can you see that this morning? <laughs> Grain-sized faith. Notice Jesus didn't say, hey, I need you to have mountain-sized faith so you can move a grain-sized thing. That wasn't the equation he gave us. He says, I need you to have grain-sized faith so that you can move a mountain. And at first glance, a grain of faith Doesn't do anything. That's my faith. Here's Mike's faith. Pastor Mike preached a couple weeks ago, did a phenomenal job. Grain sized faith. Pastor Justin's faith. He's not even in the room right now. That's where his faith's at. <laughs> he just called out. <laughs> so maybe that's not Pastor Justin's faith. <laughs> Somebody else's. There's Seth's faith right here. We'll get just in faith later. <laughs> See, at first glance, it's, it's not much, but what if we had a church full of grain-sized faith? All of us coming together with our little grain-sized faith. Just one moves a mountain. All that changes the city. Grain-sized faith. Some of you got left behind, but whatever. <laughs> There's a whole book about that. <laughs> 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 
Jesus didn't ask us to have mountain-sized faith in order to move mustard seeds. He asked us to have mustard seed-sized faith in order to move mountains. The first thing that we need to understand about vision is that vision takes faith. The second thing we need to understand is this. Vision produces intentional behaviors. Vision produces intentional behaviors. Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. And when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. I love that. Where Jesus is, there shouldn't be room anymore. Many were gathered together so there was no more room even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. And they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. This is probably one of my most favorite stories found in the Gospels. Mainly because I have a vivid imagination. And so this mind movie plays as I read this story. And it's amazing what I get. Think about four dudes who had some faith. And they had a friend who was paralyzed and in need of Jesus. And instead of stopping and looking at the situation and going, man, there's a big crowd around. Because a lot of us would stop right there. Right? A lot of us get uncomfortable just standing in movie lines. Let alone trying to get our friend to Jesus who was in need of him. And so they look at the crowd. And I love these four guys right here. I love their vigor. I love their excitement. They see a crowd. They don't let the crowd bother them. They said, it's time to get illegal up in this healing right here. And so they take this, this, this man who's paralyzed, and they bring him up to the roof. Now, these roofs were comprised of tiles, so it wasn't just like an open roof. They had to start destroying property, all right? This is, this is crime, okay? The crime. And so they get up there, and they start pulling off tiles. And then I'm thinking to myself, I mean, just work the story with me. It says that they lowered him. It means that they had forward thinking and intentionality as to how they were going to get this man down through the roof. Because it would be a horrible story to read, and they dropped the paralytic (laughs) in front of Jesus, although humorous. (laughs) But that's not what the story was. What What do I want us to understand? Vision produces intentional behaviors. See, these these men had a vision as to what it is that they were trying to accomplish. We need to get our friend in front of Jesus. Joey, grab the pulley system. You get the mat, make sure he's got a pillow. I'm bringing the jackhammer. We're going to open this roof up. They had intent, like forward thing. I mean, think about that. It's amazing. Why? Because they had a vision. They saw something and they, and they knew what it was going to take to get it done. They had a vision in mind of where this thing was going to go. We need to get this man in front of Jesus tell you this, these guys had a vision, and that vision produced very intentional behaviors. The vision led them to get on top of the roof, peel back the roof tiles, and figure out a way to lower down their paralyzed friend in order to get him in front of Jesus. Here's my question for us this morning. What will we do in order to reach people? This is the question that God has been challenging me with as I've been prepping for this day for multiple weeks now. I wanted Pastor Mike to speak and Pastor Justin to speak over these past few weeks because I needed time, one, to just relax for a minute, (laughs) but secondarily, I wanted to make sure that I was giving articulated vision and, and helping our church understand where we're going, and this is the question that God has been challenging me with. 
You don't, I don't take vision lightly or flippantly. And everything we do around here is on purpose because vision produces intentional behaviors. What will we do? What length will we go to to reach people? And so I've got some very, very important announcements that I want to make this weekend. The first announcement that I want to make to the length to which we will go to reach people is this. We will be opening a third service option come this spring. We're going to be working everything in our power to make this happen. We are currently planning and preparing to be opening a third service option this spring. We are carefully wading through all the details that go into making this happen, but we are excited for what it means for us as a church. Now, please understand this. Opening a third service is not about releasing pressure on our current services, but it's about creating room for greater reach, the ability to reach just one more person. So if a third service option opens up where there's five people sitting in here that wouldn't be here otherwise, then there's five people sitting in here that wouldn't otherwise be here. And so we're going for it, a third service. It also creates a strategic opening that will give more options to you to be able to engage in other areas of the church. And lastly, I want you to hear the heart, my heart behind this. I subscribe to a multiple service format for our church. What do I mean by that? While we could go down the path of looking for bigger facilities to accommodate growth, I feel that it is more prudent and a better use of our resources to do more services in smaller venues than it is to build a big building. And that's just where I'm at with it. That is not about a right or a wrong. It's a preferred way of leading. I love that. I preach the same whether it's 15 people or 5,000 people. I yell all the time. <laughs> yeah. We were in our staff meeting like a couple days ago, six of them, and I'm still yelling. So it doesn't change the game on that. Listen, success for us here at the well is not found in bigger buildings. It is seen as we continue to reach people and help them take their next step in their walk with Jesus. I value the sense of community that we he have here now and know that three services will give us the ability to continue to see people, know people, and engage in people's lives, and that is a massive value for us around here. I love shaking hands. I love hugging you. I know that sounds weird. <laughs> your pastor say to you guys this weekend he loves hugging me <laughs> second announcement i got lots of announcements so you better be taking notes okay this is the announcements 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 <laughs> the second thing i want you to hear intentional behaviors remember this is all underneath vision produces intentional behaviors third service opening up in the spring we are from the beginning of this thing it has been our hearts to take church to where people are at and we simply can't reach our city and our state from just one location here in Sandy. So what that means for us is a very direct, sorry, and strategic approach found in and through multiple locations. So my announcement to you this weekend is that we are starting the planning and building phase of figuring out where we will be launching a new community in our valley. Some of you hesitate on that because you're like, what does that mean? <laughs> Multiple locations is, is what it means. As we've prayed and considered this issue along with many conversations with our executive team, I know that our next step is to clearly identify and begin the process of developing everything necessary for the launch of a new community north of this location. 
Now, I want to be very clear about this issue. There is a lot that goes in to this process. And while we do not have an exact timeline at this juncture, we do know that this is part of our vision moving forward. And I will continue to share about this in the coming weeks and months. This piece of our vision alone requires the well to make some significant steps in areas that we have been holding off on. The greatest of those areas is in our full-time staff. And I don't know if you know this, but currently this church operates with just two and a half paid staff. This is only possible because of the many teams of people around here that make everything happen. And if you would just step back for a moment, could you put your hands together for all of our teams, the people that serve week in and week out around here? We love you. We honor you. We appreciate you. We have some very strategic hiring that has to happen that our board is currently working through as we forge on to this year. And I'm going to talk more specifically about this in, in, in a few more minutes. But guys, this is massive for us. And like I said, there, there, there's, I was telling the team this morning, there's, a, there's a four people in this room this morning. All right, There's those of us who are offended by vision. And maybe because you've been someplace or somewhere in your past, a vision has, has hurt you, it's, it's abused you, it's, it's bothered you. And so when people talk about vision, when the church talks about vision, then you are offended by that vision. And I want to I ask you to do something for me. Get over the offense. The second type of person in here is the person who is fearful because of vision. And that's simply because there's this little thing called change. Everybody shout change. Change, change, change. I don't know if it's change or change on that one. Is it chains? It's chain? Oh. Dang it. Mustard seed faith. That's what I had right there. There's a lot of us in here that have, we have a hard time with change. It, it bothers us. It, it frustrates us. So we've got people who are offended by vision. We have people who are, are scared of vision. There's a third group of people in here, that, uh, maybe a big group, who don't care. You're like, whatever, right? I'll go with it. Is there cake afterwards, all right? <laughs> and we're cool with that. And then there's this other group of people, uh, they're actually called early adopters in, in, in business circles, that, that get on board with this. It's, it's this very small percentage, but there are some of us right now who are like sitting in our seats and you're like, I am so pumped. I don't know what it means. It's a wild blue yonder, but I am so excited. Right? You're like, let's go forward. And all of us got to mix together. And create this thing called the well. It's going to take big steps. Don't be offended by vision. Don't be fearful of vision. All right? Care about vision. And be excited about vision. It's good. So third service coming spring, launching a new community. As we work on the details of that, you'll hear more about that. And a third one that's really close to my heart is one that I want to be very careful with. This morning, we've been working through this a lot at a board level. It is my heart to get involved at ground level in our city. So about six months ago, God put this thing in my heart as I've talked to some people who come to our church who are involved in recovery programs and everything like that. He posed this question to me, what if we built a house where people could go through programs 
people that are being neglected by our city, neglected by our state, the government programs aren't working because they've, they've been overrun and there's a lot of need in our city. What if the well got involved in creating something where people could go through a year-long, two-year-long program where they could find hope, where they really need to find hope as they're coming off of drugs and addiction and everything like that? What if we could have a house of redemption? What if we could have a house of redemption? And so I started to play a lot, pray, like pray about this and, and, and play with it and, and I submitted it to the board and talked to them about that, to which we all were like, man, this is kind of awesome. But they all cautioned me because there is a lot that goes into this. There is a lot that we have to figure out at a, at a state level, at a government level, um, laws so we don't break them, although I am a fan of digging through the roof. And so... Whatever we need to do, but we are in the conversation, the feasibility study, if you will, at looking at how the well could be involved in literally what the vision would be is to buy homes where we can take people in who have come off of drugs, come off of, of alcohol and, and, and the things that their, their vices that they've been dealing with, but they're in a position where they're about to be placed in a hopeless situation. And they've got no other options and no other place to go. What if the well had homes all over our valley where these people could come and they would get mentored and they would be discipled and they would be required, yes, required to be in church and, and have people involved in their lives. And we as the church say, we believe in you. We're standing behind you. We've got the best for you. And Jesus' plan is awesome for you. What if we had redemption homes? And that's our vision. And that's how we are going to single-handedly put our fingerprint on this city. There's a lot of pieces to this puzzle. Which brings me to the third thing we need to understand about vision. Vision happens through sacrificial giving. Do not tighten up on me right now. <laughs> Feel it in the room where he goes like... What's that cheeky pastor going to say now? Verse 3 of Exodus chapter 38. And they received from Moses all the contribution that the people of Israel had brought for doing the work on the sanctuary. They still kept bringing him. I love this. Listen to this. They still kept bringing him free will offerings every morning. So that all the craftsmen who were doing every sort of task on the sanctuary came. Each from the task that he was doing. And said to Moses, the people bring much more than enough for doing the work. That the Lord has commanded us to do. Verse 6. So Moses gave a command. Listen to this. This is the church service you want to be in. And the word was proclaimed throughout the camp. Let no man or woman do anything more for the contribution for the sanctuary. So the people were restrained from bringing. For the material they had was sufficient to do all the work and more. Imagine that. Moses said, stop. Stop giving you people are nuts. And they're like, no, Moses, no, we need to keep on bringing. We need to keep on. This is, this is what the people are doing. And this vision that we're laying out this morning, it takes sacrificial giving. Oh, I would love to be able to tell that story. I had to get up in front of my church and tell them to stop. Stop giving. <laughs> That's awesome. It's the Bible, all right? I don't want to take a lot of time with this this morning. We're going to talk more about it in the future, but this is where our motion offering that we do once a year comes into play. 
March 26, 2017, just a month or so away. We did this last year. And this is where we sacrificially give, above and beyond our tithes and our offerings. And we say the vision deserves sacrifice. And so we sacrifice so that we can engage in all that God is calling us to do as a church. One of the big ticket items that we are believing for as well, another announcement, 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 that our motion offering is going to do with this year is our upcoming mission trip to Cofredia, Mexico. We did this last year. It will be happening this November. So if you've been planning or thinking about, praying about, believing about going on a missions trip this November, it's happening. And we loved our trip there. And the people who came back gave us such great reports. And so we've decided that we're going to continue to engage in missions at Cofredia. But something exciting came out of it. And they work with a contractor who builds, for lack of better terms, cement Legos. Just <laughs> cool. How many love Legos, right? Yeah, all of it. Yeah, exactly. And so what we do with these cement Legos is that we go, they drop them off, they, they pour a concrete foundation, and then our team goes in and we build Legos for an entire week, and then we hand the keys off to that Lego building to somebody who didn't have a home. We say, here you go, welcome home. Welcome home. I want you to hear this. To build one of these homes, $5,000. That's it. $5,000. Now, for some of us, that sounds like a lot of money. But for all of us, it's a mustard seed. Come on, are you tracking with me this morning, church? $5,000. So what if the well is able to say, because some of us won't be able to go on that missions trip necessarily, time and so on and so forth, but we want to be able to know that I was engaged in building that. And we don't want to put the cost of the home built into the actual missions trip cost. So we're saying the well, we're buying homes. This year it's one home. Next year it's four homes. The year after that, let's build a city. I don't care what we do, but we need to get involved at a greater degree, and it's going to take sacrificial giving to make all of this happen. But it's not just money. It's stepping up and stepping out. It means giving of time, talent, and treasure. This vision that I'm rolling out this Sunday requires total engagement around here. It's going to take new leaders leading other leaders, leading more leaders. It's going to take more creative people, more musicians, more kids team, more youth team, more missions team. It's going to take more resource than has ever been required. Let's not be the church that shrinks back at vision, but rather let's be the church that steps into the great, big, wide open space that God has for us. Vision happens through sacrificial giving. Number four, shout number four. Make sure you're with me. Vision fosters authentic community. Vision fosters authentic community. So those who received his word were baptized, and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. Fellowship of believers. That's a massive, massive church service right there. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and, and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord continued to add to their number day by day those who were being saved. See, the vision of the church would and is always to progress forward. 
What I love about this piece of scripture is that it shows that size does not have to distract from community. And community is not at odds with size. Why? Because vision is actually what fosters community. Vision is actually what gives us the binding thing. When you're different than me and I'm different than you, we're trying to bring all these differences and all this baggage and all this stuff into one place. What is the common denominator? Jesus, of course, but vision is the uniting factor. That's actually what fosters great community. Contrary to popular opinion where we think it's small groups and this thing and this thing and this thing, that's not what fosters community. That is the mechanism, but what fosters community, the central thing, is a bunch of people, a bunch of mustard seeds getting together around a common goal and vision. Vision is what fosters community. And that shows us that the church was growing, and mind you, very significantly. We need to have community around here. This year, we are going to be tackling a more formalized and, 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 and greater emphasis on our table groups. Come on, show of hands. How many of you are involved in a table group right now? Okay, a few of you. My hope and my goal and my dream would be that all of us, to some moment or another, is engaged in a table group. Across both of our services, across three of our services, across eight of our services. Whatever it may be. Why? Because that's the mechanism that ultimately allows us to engage in the community that vision has fostered. Vision is what fosters community. I want you to write this down if you're taking notes this morning. For us here at the well, welcome home is not a mantra, it's a mandate. Did you hear that this morning? Welcome home is not a mantra, it is a mandate. So we're believing this year for more connection, more connection, greater community being fostered in our large gatherings, in our small gatherings. And I know that God is going to work greatly and mightily in these areas. Number five, every shot number five. Getting quiet on the, on, on the count. Every shot number five. There we go. Vision is fueled by unity. I told you there was eight of them. I prepared you. Okay. Vision is fueled by unity. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of your Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. Listen, there are things that we know we have to do as a church, and unity is at the center of it. We know that it's going to take resource to reach those far from God. It's going to take manpower to accomplish many of the things that we know God is leading our church into. It's going to take relationship and unity on a level like no other to move into the future. It's going to take individuals, families, youth, young adults, singles, professionals, seasoned generations, all getting in the game if we're going to step into what God has for us here at the well. This is a unity it's issue. The church has to be unified and moving forward together. Not uniform, unified. You know what I love about the well? Is that we do not have a uniform church. We have all kinds of different people. I mean, look around. Ethnic backgrounds, financial backgrounds, different places and spaces of the, of the states, different races, everything here. And I love it because this represents heaven. Come on, somebody. This represents heaven. And so if you're uncomfortable with it now, like we say a lot around here, you will hate eternity. Vision is fueled by unity. Are you guys getting something out of this so far? 
All right, number six. Every shot, number six. Vision thinks about future generations. Wait out, wait for this one. This one will challenge you. Genesis chapter 15, verses 1 through 6. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not. Abram, I have your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, Oh Lord, what will you um, what will you give me? For I continue childless. And he goes on to talk and th- about not having an heir. Verse 5 is what I want you to hear. And he brought him outside and said, look toward heaven and number the stars if you're able to number them. I love that. God's being kind of (laughs) sassy. Hey, get out your tent. Look at the stars. Number them if you can. (laughs) Hashtag I'm big. Hashtag I'm awesome. (laughs) Look toward heaven. Number them if you're able to. Then he said to them, so shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord, and he counted to him as righteousness. See, many people think that Abraham's son was about Abraham. In some ways, yes, this was a picture of God's intended purpose and heart for him personally. But it was more about future generations to always know him and and worship him. See, in other words, God is committed to the future, and because of that, we are too. Look, we celebrate the past, we live in the present, but we are loyal to the future. What happens when we don't think about future generations? The Bible tells us. Judges, chapter 2, 6 through 10. This will haunt you this weekend. It's haunted me all week long. But when I read this, I hadn't even really seen it before. And God just pushed this on my heart. Watch what it says. When Joshua dismissed the people, the people of Israel went each to his inheritance. Keep that in your mind. To take possession of the land. The people served the Lord all the days of Joshua. And all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua who had seen all the great work that the Lord had done for Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110 years, and they buried him within the boundaries of his inheritance. In the hill country of Ephraim, north of the mountain of Gash. Verse 10, and all that generation also were gathered to their fathers. Everybody that was with Joshua and that generation, they all died. That's what the Bible's saying. Watch this. And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. Joshua, this great leader we all love, we all cheer on. He conquered things. He brought him into the promised land. And a generation arose after him who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. Is it possible that we are so concerned with our inheritance that we miss our opportunity to impact the next generation? Did you hear that this morning? We are so aware of this reality and the importance of it that we are doing everything in our power to pour resource into our next generation. Last year we brought Pastor Justin on. He is our our youth pastor. He is our worship pastor. Come on, do you love this guy right here? I hope you do. Him and his team strive every single week. He wears the youth pastor hat. He's got the youth pastor tattoos, so it's good to go, right? We're trying to get him into skinny jeans and a V-neck, but he's not there yet. One day, one day. But here's the big announcement that I really want you to hear. Obviously, there's going to be continued focus and attention on Thrive, our student ministries around here. If your student's not plugged in, get them plugged in, because we are about future generations. This year, we are making a very strategic move, as I talked about earlier, 
How many of you know Kaisa, our kids director? Come on, would you stand up, Kaisa? Stand up. Stand up. Stand up. So you guys know, like, this is most of us. This is Kaisa. <laughs> I am pleased to announce that in the coming weeks, we are going to be licensing Kaisa as our next pastor around here. We're going to be bringing her on. And we're developing a new kind of area for her. Um, her. Her designated title will be Family Life Pastor. And she will be overseeing our kids' ministry as well. We have a lot of procreation that happens in this church. <laughs> I'm, they're running around all over in there. And I don't say this just for the, the sake of saying it, but I really do want you to understand that we are committed, we are not doing glorified babysitting over there. We refuse to do glorified babysitting over there. What we're doing over there is impacting and raising up the next generation. My kids come home knowing their Bible verses, knowing stuff that they need to know about Jesus. Dad, did you know that Jesus did this? Yeah, I went to Bible college, son. <laughs> and then I turn to his mom and I'll be like, I knew that not at all. <laughs> My little girl the other day said to me, she's like, Dad, did you know that Jesus is awesome? I said, yeah, I think he's pretty good. Where'd you get that? She's like, kids. Got that in our kids' ministry. I like my class. I like my teacher. I like Mrs. So-and-so. Vision thinks about future generations. Can we please not be a church that's included in the scripture that I just read? Can we please not be the church that on our watch, we don't do everything in our power to impact future generations? So right now we're going to be, in, in, in the next little while, we're working out the timeline of when we're going to have her licensing service, but we're going to bring Kaisa on as our family life pastor. She'll be working in the capacity that she currently is. Once again, I don't know if you guys know this, but she's not on paid staff. Two and a half of us, that's it. And we are working to, uh, to get us to the place, like I said, through sacrificial giving and continued growth here, to bring her on full-time staff so that she can oversee our family life ministry, which would encompass kids, our care ministry around here. She's just amazing to talk to. She will point you to Jesus quicker than I'll point you to Jesus, okay? Right? I'll confuse you, but she <laughs> will love you. So I'm excited about that. She's going to bring another level to this church. She's going to take us up. Right now, Pastor Mike, Pastor Erica, me, Pastor Justin, our elders, our board, are all excited about moving forward into this. Why? Because vision thinks about future generations. We are not going to be a 10-year-old church, 12-year-old church. I hope one day on my deathbed I will be able to look back as one of your little kids is potentially up here yelling at other people. <laughs> That when I die and get to heaven, God says, well done, good and faithful servant. The next generation knows me. Vision thinks about future generations. Number seven is this. Vision is anchored in grace. First Peter chapter four, verses seven through 11. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled, be sober-minded for the sake of your pray our prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly. Since love covers a multitude of sins, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. As good stewards of God's very grace, there it is, 
Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength of, by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Grace supplies us the power to get on with the vision. Listen, the idea that the church is a spectator sport, that we go to is backwards from what God intends the church to actually be. We have to realize that true vision is anchored in God's grace, the grace that supplies the power necessary to get off the bench and get into the game. We're not here in our perfection to only operate in our perfection because we don't have perfection, but in God's grace, we can mount up. We can do what he's called us to do because it's grace that anchors us. It's grace that produces the power to impact. Vision is anchored by grace. And the last one is this. Sorry I kept you a little bit longer, but I needed to get this out for us this morning. Number eight. Vision is authored by Jesus. Come on. Vision is authored by Jesus. Acts chapter 1, 6 through 11. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way you saw him go into heaven. And it would continue on with the book of Acts where these disciples would get in the game and they would start loving people and they would start preaching the gospel and they would start reaching future generations and they would start giving sacrificially and they would anchor themselves in a mighty grace that only Jesus can provide. Listen, here at the well, we are building a house that welcomes the least and the lost, a house that beckons the brokenhearted and builds up the beat down. We are building a house that calls out to the castle away and the commuter the callous and the cast down a house with its doors open to the marginalized and the maligned a house that throws a party for the wayward and binds up the defeated a house that welcomes home the burdened and the burnt out encourages the discouraged heals the hurting loves the unlovable and accepts the unacceptable we are building a house that is united in cause, resolute in character, intentional with resource, founded on truth, and has Jesus at the center. We are a house where you can laugh and you can cry, you can doubt, and you can dig in. We are building a house for this city where we can say, welcome home. Welcome home. <laughs>